what I love doing and what I've been doing for for the last 20 years is I'm naturally drawn to working with businesses that tend to be solo entrepreneurs and they have a big vision and I love vision. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a visionary, but I'm definitely someone who loves to be of service to a visionary and make their vision uh, come to fruition. So I, I build it out. So I love to get inside their minds and ask lots of questions about where they want to see their vision head to. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I have a beautiful soul, the amazing Cara Wright. As a seasoned national operations manager, this beautiful soul is dedicated to optimizing business processes and driving organizational excellence. Her expertise lies in developing effective strategies, fostering seamless communication among various stakeholders, and managing product production and distribution. Additionally, this amazing woman excels in overseeing organizational changes, staff recruitment training, and nurturing a positive work environment. What I find so exceptional about Cara is she has the ability to help businesses and subcontractors collaborate and create mutually beneficial relationships. She is big on quality assurance protocols to minimize product defects and errors. Her commitment to solid team morale, meeting deadlines, exceeding expectations, and providing exceptional customer service has led to significant growth and efficiency improvements in the organizations she's had the privilege to work in. Now, apart from all her operations experience, what you'll also love is her ability to project manage crowdfunding campaigns using the Kickstarter platform, whilst also cultivating a thriving online community for whoever it is that she's working with. Now, she combines all of her passions for health and wellness and for operational excellence and community engagement, also whilst being an amazing mum and striving to create a lasting impact and driving success in every venture she undertakes. You're going to love the little gems she shares today, and you're also going to really appreciate the amazing discount code that she is offering you as the listener if you're interested in one of her ventures of Solid Technics, these amazing pots and pans. I cannot begin to tell you how much I love them. And the code, you guessed it, is self-love. So if you go on to solidtechnics.com, that's S-O-L-I-D, T-E-K-N-I-C-S, solidtechnics.com, you will be able to use that code to get yourself a generational pan. So without further ado, look, get yourself ready, buckle in and look out for this amazing, incredible conversation around passion, purpose, drive, enthusiasm, and also what it takes to help teams and venturers Uh, entrepreneurs to get their ideas off the ground. You're going to love today's show. If you've got any comments and feedback, head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. You can go on over to Facebook, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I absolutely appreciate your five-star rating, your comments, 
comments, your thoughts, your questions, your feedback, all of it does not go unnoticed. And I absolutely adore bringing beautiful women, beautiful men and amazing souls right into your ears so that you get to learn from some of the best. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care, be kind. And I look forward to seeing you on our next show, same place, same time. As you can tell, another incredible guest on the Self Love Podcast this week, I am delighted and excited to bring to you the beautiful Cara Wright. Welcome to the show, sweetheart. Thanks, Kim. It's really, Look, it's... Uh, really, really a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I've been wanting to get you on the show for some time. You're someone who I truly admire over the many years. We've been at different functions. We've caught up at different times. You do play an incredible role uh, in our community. And I'd just love it if we could maybe kick off the show by explaining, you know, who is Kara? Where is she from? What's happening in No World? And why does she do what she does? It's mm, a really good question. <laughs> First of all, I just want to, can I just jump in? I, I will never forget this, um, the memory I have of uh, being at the Sunshine Coast Airport and um, yourself and Fleur swinging by in a car and dropping out a whole bunch of um, like chocolate for women books. <laughs> That's one of my favourite memories. Uh, so I can take you to an event. Um, oh, my gosh. That's a it was so long ago. ago. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> um, but who am I? Uh, I just, I'm, I'm just someone who, you know, I've never not wanted to work and I've never not worked. And I've always, I've raised a family. I've got two young adult children. I live out in, in uh, little old Palmwoods, which is growing by the minute. Uh, Sunshine Coast girl now, but raised, uh, born in England, raised in Victoria. That's where I did all my schooling. And I, I knew I had to get out of that little country town. So I got a job out at um, Uluru. So one country town to another country town. Uh, and that sort of just, uh, I think, catapulted me on a bit of a, um, a journey that I didn't even know that was ahead of me and uh, spent uh, quite a few years in hospitality and hotels. And it's where I, I ended up on Heron Island. And I think the moment I got to Heron Island, I realised that I was the kind of, I got there and I was 19, I'd say, and um, within weeks, I was running the the front office environment out there, and um, just by happenstance, um, and that's kind of what I've done <laughs> uh, with my. You know, if I t- if I talk about my career, I've I've essentially just found myself in in work environments where I, I tend to uh, just want to own it. Um, so I'd consider myself an employee entrepreneur. Um, I travelled. Uh, met, came back to Australia, met my children's father um, that, you know, we separated when our kids were five and three. And um, I'm really proud to call him a really close friend of mine. I think we were doing the, um, you know, the co-parenting thing before Gwyneth Paltrow made it cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're still really close friends today and, you know, with his his new, well, he's not necessarily his new partner, but they've been together for about 15 years. Uh, so my kid's stepmom. Uh, yeah, single, blended family, single again. And um, yeah, here I am. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm talking to you. 
it's quite an amazing, you know, like it's hard for us to look at our lives and and kind of come to a place of who am I, where am I from, Mm. what makes me who I am. Mm. But it sounds like you've always had that little bit of an entrepreneurial spin in you and the desire Mm. perhaps, and I say this with love, to be in control or to at least Mm. control what you can your yeah. experience in hospitality, you know, many people, I was told as a young girl, every person should work in hospitality at some point mm-hmm. in their life to yeah. understand real human relationships. <laughs> if that's the case and you believe that, how would you, what would you say? Is that something you'd recommend for everyone to do that hospitality does make us the person? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I've really pushed my children to both work in hospitality. Um, and my son spent a few years in hospo and my daughter, um, I think she did about 12 months, but it's not really her thing. So, uh, but she's definitely grateful for that. It's definitely made me a better person. And uh, and I think one of the key, the key things I learned from hospitality was being able to adjust myself accordingly, according to the person in front of me or the customer in front of me and to really read the body language. So I I think I was about 18 working at the Travel Lodge in in Surfers Paradise. I was there for about 12 months and and just being able to see a guest walk through the, so I was front office, see a guest walk through the doors and then just based on their energy alone, their body language, I knew exactly, and I don't know how I did it, um, but I, I knew exactly how I could show up to that person. So whether I could lean into humour um, or whether I actually had to take a professional approach and just, you know, um, get them checked in and to their room a- ASAP uh, because that's what they they required um, or whether I could just be a bit more casual and, um, and you know, lean into my funny side. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely made me who I am for sure. Well, also for years, I worked in in restaurants and mm. and I ended up earning more money in my tips than I ever got paid. Yeah. But I got a real joy. I must admit, it wasn't always easy getting to the restaurant or to wherever I was. But once I got there and clicked in, there was something really special about making other people happy or yeah. seeing them um, shine or feel better for, for being in connection with you. It's yeah. interesting you talk about that frontline desk thing because I'm often... I'm really curious when I watch people on the front desk because yeah. they are people, people, and yeah. and yet some of them really aren't, and I'm always flabbergasted as to how they get there. But mm. one of the most important things you just talked about then was body language and really recognising and seeing that. Have you studied in this or is it just your own personal study? And if so, what are some of the things that you've really noticed around body language? Um, I've done no study. I've had the you know had the privilege of of reading um listening to Alan Pease and and um actually reading a few of his books or Alan and Barbara's books um and being sunny coast locals uh, no no so no formal training just um it, it might have been you know i guess some um, management training at the time uh when i when i was young and um uh, really helping me to identify but I think I just I just had a a knack for it, I suppose. And that, you know, before I was doing before I was working in hotels, I was uh, working in a news agency. You know, I've been working since I was about twelve years old. So working in news agencies, eight sorry news agencies, uh, running paper rounds. So with my paper rounds, the they were the morning paper rounds, and people would come out and stand at their letterbox and wait for you to arrive to to receive their their newspaper back in the eighties. 
Um, it's a big start to their days. So I, you know, working at KFC. So I think that those, all of those, uh, those years working in those environments, one thing led to another, and before I know it, I'm you know, I could really observe the energy of people. And it, it stands true today. I, you know, I think I, I can do that. And I don't, I should unpack it some, at some point someday. Uh, but I don't, so I don't really know um, how, how I got there. I think it's just years and years of experience and years and years of putting myself into, into those situations where I'm forced to, I'm not forced, I suppose. I think it's choice ultimately. Mm. But um, I think it's also we're drawn to it. But I, yes. I perhaps perhaps we underestimate just how much the everyday, the hands-on, the being in the moment actually plays a part on our education. We don't necessarily mm. have to have a university degree mm. to be an expert in body or body language or people relationships. And mm. I dare say, I guess the key thing here is what you're talking about is to actually create systems and have mm. uh, maybe protocols that just that everybody's on the same page. Because this is something that fascinates me from a business point of view. You walk into every Lorna Jane store and they all mm. kind of have the same kind of vibe you mm. walk into a Peter Alexander store they all have the same kind of vibe and there's an aroma mm. you, this is something that you're very good with with processes and organizational excellence is that something that you're doing now on a daily basis and if so could you talk us through what that means to you and how you help corporations or businesses do just this Mm, I think my, so yeah, it's less, I guess it comes with the, I guess I develop a create an environment. Um, my, what I love now about what I'm doing and what I've been doing for, for the last 20 years is I'm naturally drawn to working with um, businesses that are, that tend to be solo entrepreneurs and, um, and they have a big vision and I love vision uh, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a visionary, um, but I'm definitely someone who loves to be of service to a visionary and uh, and make their vision uh, come to fruition. So I, 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 yeah, I just, I build it out. So I love to get inside their minds and ask lots of questions about where they want to, to see their, their vision head to. And I'm not sure exactly the system that I actually take or the protocol that I that I implement, but it's more about just the personal relationship than I have with the the entrepreneur or the business owner themselves. Um, and that we, you know, we first and foremost we actually have to be able to connect um, at some level and uh, and and build trust. I think that that's the the connection and trust are the two main things that I, I would probably. Um, need to have and need to build and um before i guess the the entrepreneur would would you know really dig you know deep dive on their vision so then i can take that and do something with it um and and first of all it's just looking at what's what's in place and um and then i you know there's there can be lots of things that i haven't they haven't even got in place yet that are quite easy for me to set up so in my current role uh 7 years ago it was setting up uh, just the e-commerce platform so that they could actually, we could sell directly to consumer rather than because the business at the time was just B2B, so business to business. Um, and now our, our business to consumer is the the biggest uh, income or revenue stream that the business has um, at the moment. So that was, you know, so that was quite vital back then, but it wasn't something that um, they were doing. 
And it, to me, it just looks so, it was just so simple to implement. <laughs> well, it's simple to people like you because you're there. I love, you're almost the wind beneath the wings for a visionary then because mm-hmm. um, it, I think in business and life, we can have your entrepreneur visionary types that see the big picture. They're really positive. They're excited and they do that. But often what gets missed, and I'm just speaking generally, um, is the little steps or the systemization mm-hmm. or the organization, the mm-hmm. communication of having that shared goal or vision or allowing everyone to be a part of that, maybe uh, not being very good at delegating and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. Do you find yourself not only creating these organizational systems and excellence, but also managing the entrepreneur because they're quite free-spirited, mm-hmm. generally speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're quite so- rogue. <laughs> And if so, is this where your body language comes in as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it all stems back from the the hospo days and the customer, you know, being so you know deep into those customer service environments. You know, I've done, I had my time in retail as well, and um, when you're when it's all about the customer and all about customer service, essentially, I'm just applying the same techniques. Uh, it's just that the entrepreneur is my customer at that time or he you know he's my client if you will and um and I don't I don't tend to want to manage them as such I you know and I think with a vision especially a big vision entrepreneur they can get in the detail is like especially with my you know my my um boss at the moment uh he does not want to get bogged down into the detail and you know, and what's the saying? A business is only as good as the systems. And you know, if if you don't want to get bogged down into the detail, then you've got to have someone that comes in comes into the business that actually helps you have some systems. If uh, if you're looking to leave a legacy or you're looking to grow the business and and sell it at some point, depending on what your um, you know the entrepreneur as the entrepreneur, what your overall intention is. Yeah, this is you have an exit strategy or not, but. Can I I just interrupt you there? That whole point there of actually creating a business uh, with systems, this is the downfall. How many good ideas do you see out there? How many amazing visionaries do you see out there that have the most phenomenal ideas and yet they don't seem to get it off the ground or yet Mm -hmm. it falls on their face? Have you seen that very often? And if so, what do you think is the real thing? Is it that systemization that's missing or is there other factors as well? Uh, I don't. I mean, I guess I'm. I'm fairly loyal to, to to the work environment that I'm working in, and I. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not necessarily looking at what other businesses are doing all of the time. I'm always. I am interested in what business is doing, but I'm not looking for for you know at entrepreneurs specifically. I do work in the area of crowdfunding, so one of one of the areas that we focus on is uh, we crowdfund and so you see a lot of of businesses that don't succeed through crowdfunding um and through that through that portal and that channel if i've had some conversations with people over the years uh it's not wanting that yeah i think that there's obviously they might allow a bit of fear um to get in the way um and not go down uh, the system's path or uh, what am i trying to say it's quite critical though isn't it like- yeah it's 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 really critical i think i think you know with with mark he he really trusts what he did what he ended up doing which is you know um 
you know, I'm grateful to Is him. this your current boss? Yeah, so Mark is my current, yeah, so he's a founder of um, the company I work for. He, Can we give the company a plug? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, it's Solar Technics. Ah, our favourite pans, yes, <laughs> we'll come back to that. They may cook we, yeah. Um, so he, so he um, it was a bit, probably a bit of a struggle for him um, in the early days because this, this is his baby and it's certainly a legacy company for him. So he had to let go of the reins and, and trust um, so I guess the ideas that I had and, um, and, and run with them and, and hope that they actually did okay, <laughs> did well, which thankfully for us, they did. Um, so perhaps if, if other businesses don't have someone like myself, um, that comes their way, who's, you know, if they're willing to kind of not buck the system a bit, but, um, put forward ideas or put forward strategy in order for them to to lean into um, growing their business in a different way that they thought they might. So, you know, you might have a company who, I, I know there was a, a, a company based on the sunny coast who um, they had a, I think their product was being made in Brisbane. Um, and the, the obvious, the obvious um, solution f- that I could see for them in order to really grow their business fast and support their cash flow was to crowdfund and um, they just couldn't see it. <laughs> and um, I just looked at their product and it was, it was this beautiful product for, you know, for a platform like Kickstarter. Kickstarter would have eaten it up. Um, but they didn't end up going there. And I don't know what what, it's, what actually has happened to that company now. I should look them up, but I hope that they've done well. Uh, but they were kind of relying on B2B, yes. which is what Solar Technics was relying on in the early days. I mean, Kickstarter as well. They, they would, you know, Mark's always, Mark is extraordinary when it comes to, um, he, you know, he knows where it's at. Uh, so he was already doing Kickstarter. So that's definitely not my brainchild. Uh, that's something I learnt in my current role, but yeah, yeah, I can see so much opportunity now for for um, you know for entrepreneurs, especially in the new product development field. Talk to us a little bit about this then. Uh, this is something that interested me uh, from a crowdfunding campaign and using the Kickstarter platform. How, what, could you explain to us what this means? And if someone is listening to this that maybe has got a great business idea or they're willing or wishing to get a product off the ground, talk to us a little bit about how this works so that we can have an understanding in case this is something that lights one of our beautiful listeners up to get started. Mm, it's a yeah it's a great question it's a platform so essentially a kickstarter is so it's crowdfunding you as as the creator so there are creators and there are backers and the platform exists so that the backers can actually um, help creators bring their vision to life and as a creator you build a, a campaign page so a, you know old school sales page uh, you'd create rewards, which is um, a, the equivalent to, say, a shop a, a shop product listing, but we call them rewards. And um, and you then you might have a video, um, bits and pieces. So you you put some some content, uh, sorry, some content together. You tell a story um, of the product that you're actually wanting to get out there to the market. And um, the reason you might use crowdfunding is because your, you say, your tooling expenses or getting a product off the ground is very expensive work. And why not let the community help you achieve that rather than going into a whole lot of debt um, and then hoping 
you know, and then actually having a warehouse full of stock and then hoping you could actually move it. So um, this way it allows you to to cover, to have your tooling funded by the crowd, maybe your first round of material funded by the crowd. Uh, you fulfil the rewards. So you have a timeline. Sorry, car's going past. You have a timeline and uh and you you go you go into production you share the story and the production updates along the way so the customer really feels like they're part of the journey and they really feel like their contribution has really helped bring a product to life it's it's a really really awesome space to be in and that- not every not every uh not every campaign will be successful. There's no, the risk to the backer is very little if uh, you can set a funding goal, if you don't hit your funding goal as a creator. Uh, no backers, uh, backers don't actually, or they their cards say don't get charged, so they're quite safe. Um, and as a creator, you can start again and you think, okay, well, what did I, where did I miss the mark this time? And, and just try again. Oh, I think and, it's powerful. Uh, I think it's, it's so very, wonderful. It's it's it is a really really wonderful space, uh, and there it is. Was some- a, I did it a little bit. I just want to run to to mm. when we were, you know, we had to print off five thousand books. We needed yes. forty thousand dollars. Yes, um, I didn't have that in my back pocket. And what we did is we pre-sold them. So in a way, yes. I guess we kind of Same crowdfunded thing. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And people pre-bought them and it was just mm-hmm. so amazing, which allowed mm. us to pay for them by the time we got the books delivered. Is there is this is this the only way? Because I, I'm often, my head's now going to places like the Shark Tank or mm. uh, entrepreneur or should I say more people that want to invest. Yeah. Is that, is, is that can, be, can that be a similar thing or is that completely different when you have, because often obviously an investor would want to have a part or a percentage of that. Have you yeah. found people have kind of crossed the line or gone into one way or the other after they've they've spent time with you? That's uh well actually I think so with Solar Technics now we're we're really it's probably the first come. So I I guess to date um I've worked with more solo entrepreneurs. Um, and though Mark was a solo entrepreneur, we've got a, you know, we've now got a team of, so I started out, there was two of us and now there's seven of us. So our team's grown significantly. Um, we're not in the investor space, so we don't have investors. We're, so we're a small, so privately owned family business. Um, so I can't really speak to that, but I think what I could speak to is essentially that investors would have a different expectation um, of you as a business owner um, and as a company versus the crowdfunding space. So if you're wanting to keep things in-house and not sort of be at the at the mercy, if you will, of of investors, um, then crowdfunding's, yeah, definitely an, a, a more harmonious way, I think, mm. to to raise capital. Mm, sounds beautiful. Wouldn't mind it myself right now. Um, I can help you with that, Kim. I was just thinking, <laughs> um, what what is so incredible about this is that it. What it, I've noticed is that this kind of thing doesn't take away the zest, the magic, the essence of the creator. You don't get worn down by not being able to show up in your best self because you can't afford to do it, or mm. you are able and inspired by and have more people believe in you, therefore you raise the bar even higher. And I think yeah. that's something that you personally do, and I know it's your professional job, 
But I just wanted to give you a little bit of kudos here. That is a person. Oh. You do that to people every time you see them. And there's something about what you offer. And, and even as a person, not just a businesswoman, but as a person, you actually do the same thing. You almost crowdfund people's energy into other entrepreneurs and, and people. That's something you're a great connector. You're someone oh, who loves you. to champion <laughs> others. And so you're, I guess what I'd call you as a collaborator, you're someone who actually mm. really loves to bring businesses together and mm. create more synergistic effects, if you like. And is that yeah. something that is really important to you that we, you know, a win plus win is, is way more than just a win individually, if you know oh, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I think it was about 10 or 15 years ago, I, I um, was, I was trying to actually come up with some sort of concept myself because I thought I'd just love to join the dots and um, I think at the time I was quite young and I said, I just love it when two, business come, two businesses come together and they have a baby. <laughs> um, it's, and I don't need to be part of that. I, I really love to, other than the connection, you know, and I, I love to let them just then go for it and, um, and collaborate and, and see what, what, two people, what two different people can do together. And if, if my part in that is just bringing those two people together, whether it's my job's done and and I love it so yeah and I see that you know and I get that I do I'm having less of that opportunity now because of my role and we've got a marketing manager so um you know she's really taking that taking ownership of that part of my current role um where we you know I would we would I would have this beautiful opportunity of speaking to um chefs and restaurant owners and you know lots of master chef contestants the amount of numbers i have is it's awesome um you know of just having a casual conversation with poe from master chef you know and it's it's cool and and i just all i want is for her to be you know my current with the current organization just be current to be cooking with these these extraordinary products um but even in my personal life if you know, if I know someone who needs, who who does need a nice essential oil or needs some nice skincare, then I would absolutely have no doubt in saying, get, to, get you know, check out 28. You have to connect with Kim because she's just this beautiful, incredible human being. And, um, and I, I, yeah, I think that there's, there's so much beauty in, in put, bringing people together and then walking away. Mm, mm. Yeah. Make the baby and then hand it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you. Exactly. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. Sweetheart, let's let's give Solid Technics a plug. I absolutely love their products. I have never used pots and pans like it. Mm. I've bought them for gifts for friends. They're not mm, what I'd call have. the cheapest products mm. on the market, but oh my gosh, you get what you pay for. These are mm. lifetime investments. But could mm. you talk to us? Let's let's give Mark and this beautiful company and his family mm. a plug. Tell yeah. us the essence and behind Solid Technics. The the essence. So Mark's so Mark Henry is is the founder. Um, he's a mechanical engineer. He um, he started out making one piece knives, um, and his whole his whole, I guess the, what what drives him is uh, what drives him is his um, his need to uh, I guess eradicate um, disposable items. So um, it kind of fuels him, like, almost like angers him, if you will. It doesn't really, but that's probably a nice way to put it. Or um, 
you know, just having having disposable um, items in your kitchen, which uh, you can easily choose uh, something else that doesn't need to be thrown in the bin. He takes he takes old school. So the, the best way I can I can describe it is he takes old school um, pieces and brings them back, like gives them back life. And so, you know, we think about think about iron cookware. Uh, we think about cookware, and we might think about Teflon pans. Um, a pan might last us five years, and um, he just knew there had to be a better way. And so he, you know, he goes he goes um, into his research, and um, he's very good at kind of creating blueprints in his mind. So they're very hard to. We spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time trying to get the blueprint blueprints out of his mind, and then onto paper, so we can go to we can go um, develop his idea, his next idea. Um, but he really wanted to see cooks, uh, whether it be home cooks or um, chefs in commercial kitchens, cooking with with pans that not only will will provide um, extraordinary results when you're cooking, but will also stand the test of time. So they'll they'll stand, you know, they they can withstand commercial kitchen abuse, um, and then they can also be generational as well. So you know, they'll see me through my lifetime, they'll see you through your lifetime, and then you hand them down to your kids or grandchildren, depending on um, where everyone's at um, in the age cycle. And uh, they're just it's just. <laughs> It's just a beautiful company to be a part of in terms of the vision, and um, yeah, and I, I, I stand by it so so firmly, and it's so easy to talk about, and and to and then to support the vision is also extraordinary product. So it's one thing to have great vision, but then can you back it up with with fantastic product that actually does what um, we say it's going to do, and um, it they do. <laughs> so oh. there's no, you know, no, no yuckies, no toxins, no coatings. Uh, you know, it's all one piece. So there's is an engineering feat in it as well. So we're, you know, in a little Australian company making in we're all it's all made in Sydney. And um they're all world first uh designs and innovations. So it's uh, definitely worth celebrating. Oh, I cannot recommend if you're listening to this, if you're driving, I'll put the notes into the, the details into the show notes, but solidtechnics.com, that's S-O-L-I-D-T-E-K-N-I-C-S.com. They're 100% made in Australia. You mentioned about the toxic coatings. I don't mm-hmm. think many people are really consciously aware of what the Teflon does when it's heated, when it cracks, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the chemicals or the off-gassing of these chemicals when they're heated or when they're ruined. How does a solid Technic pan compare to your Teflon apart from the five-year lifetime compared to a lifetime or generational? What other can what are the differences? Well, that we don't we don't use. Teflon, um, yeah. and we don't use any coatings. So um, there's, it's all made from. So they're just made from a um, a piece of iron sheet, and then they're formed into shape. And uh, so there is no screws. It's all one piece. So there's no screw screws, rivets, joints. So you won't have loose handles. You don't have food collecting around your rivets. Uh, they can go in the oven. You can throw them on the campfire. Uh, they. Uh, it sounds weird to say, but they survive house fires. So um, that's how indestructible they actually are. Um, you don't need to worry. I think I was at um, an expo a couple of weeks ago, and it's interesting because most people come up and the first thing they say is, can you scratch these pans? And 
um, or can you use metal spatulas on these pans? And, you know, the answer is yes, you can. And I think that we're so conditioned to, um, to, to be precious about our cookware because if we do scratch it, we do use metal utensils, which is a big no-no uh, with a sort of a Teflon-coated pan or a coated pan in general. We're, we're so conditioned that we can't use metal spatulas that we think then we have to be very precious about our cookware. And a, and a, and a fry pan should be treated like a workhorse. It should be as treated, you know, just as you get a hammer in the tool, you have a hammer in the tool shed or in your toolbox and it has a purpose. It's functional, has a purpose, and it does what it's meant to do, um, as should a fry pan. So we should be pulling out our cookware and just using it for uh, its intended purpose and not worrying, not not um, being precious about it. Grab if you have to, if you honestly, if you have to cut, if you cook a cake in one of our pans, which you can do, you can actually cut, you can take a knife and cut through the pan. It's not going to damage the pan. Um, and that's just the beauty of it. You don't need, you can just cook it, cook with it, use it as your, you abuse it, if you will. <laughs> and and it doesn't need to look pretty. It's just, a, it's a vessel for cooking amazing food. And because you, and because of the materials, it caramelizes food really well. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me started. I know. I, I, I'm feeling like, gosh. You did. You, you, opened, yeah. the, you opened the door. <laughs> we got the Pandora's box open. But <laughs> a couple of things, that there's two different types of metal, iron and yep. stainless steel. Is yep. one better than the other or are they both equally as good? Um, it re- yeah, so there's, so at the particular stainless that we use is actually a non-nickel stainless. So there are different types of stainless steel. Uh, so the stainless steel that you would might find um, in most kitchen shops or, you know, your Kmarts and, and Woolworths is um, like has a 1810, like, and has a nickel content and it's made from a, a greater steel, stainless called 304. So it's very, very common. They don't conduct heat very well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, it's relatively cheap to make, um, but with our pans, so the stainless steel, so Australia doesn't make stainless steel, um, so it's an alloy. We don't make it, so we actually have to import it. So we find um, we have our steel made for us over in Finland um, and Germany, but mostly Finland these days, uh, and then we import it in. So our nickel is actually, uh, it's a ferretic, uh, sorry, our stainless is a ferretic stainless, so it's highly conductive and iron is highly conductive as well. So with our pans, so our stainless and iron pans, they essentially cook the same. Um, so side by side, you get the same results. I'm, a, I'm an iron girl, like I love cooking with my iron pans, um, but the stainless steel pans are, you know, they can go on the dishwasher, um, so they're, they're easy to clean up. Um, but side by side, uh, yeah, they're, they're the same really. Yeah, I just want people to know too that they can be used, as you said, on the oven, the campfire, they can go on inducted you know, heating, like all of the things. What I love most, you mentioned before as well, there's no screws and it's all one piece, but Mm. there's different pieces and different sizes and Mm. the pans themselves can become the lid of the Mm. taller ones and all of that. Like I just, Mm. I freaking love them so much. (laughs) Yeah. And without the, by the way, neither of us are being paid for this, but we just both absolutely love these pans. (laughs) Yes. But I just wanted to know, Cara, then has Mark uh, noticed then that 
people are becoming more conscious, more aware, more educated on good yeah. cookware. We don't yeah. need to buy the $12, $15, $20, $30, even $100 pans. You invest in one of these, you've got it for life. Yeah. One of the things that we used to have to do, and I've noticed we don't have to now, was a, a seasoning. Has, mm. What was that all about? Why do we not need to, or should we still be seasoning our pans? Um, I think you, I mean, that's, you You just do, you season if you want to season it. So with iron, the way we use so our iron cookware, when we first, uh, when the company was first founded, uh, we would, our pans were almost raw. So it was basically bare iron and um, we would, you'd seize, have to season it at home. Now, Aussies aren't necessarily, you know, we don't, you wouldn't see a cast iron pan in many Australians' kitchens, um, as you would say in the US. I think they're you know, in the US, cast iron pans are a huge and you'll see them in most kitchens. Um, but in Australia, that hasn't been the case. We've kind of really bought into the to the disposable. Um, we've le- really lent into that, um, you know, and we've we've bought the pans, we've bought the Teflon-coated pans. And so seasoning has been one of the, it's like a lost dark art. I think that's how, how Mark would put it. And um, so we've spent a lot of time educating on how to season a pan, and it's a little bit intimidating. And it's not that it's not that difficult. It's just new. So what we actually ended up doing was we we were, we were working behind the scenes. It took some time, um, but basically we season the pans now at our factory down in Sydney. And um, so all you have to do is start is start cooking. You might have to season. You, I mean, you know, to have an iron pan for fifty years and and never have to season it is, it's probably not going to happen. It's a, it's a skill that's good to know. So you know, at some point you might want to season your pan, or if you cook a tomato based sauce and it erodes your seasoning, you know, you can just give it a quick season on your stovetop, and or, or you just keep cooking. So, you know, the more you cook, the better they they get and the better they perform. Um, it's the oils so, that help it season, isn't it? Yes, it's, yes. It's so you need it. You really need a nice, well, you know. We recommend like you can use flaxseed or rice bran. So whatever oil works for you, as long as it's got a nice high smoke point. And there's some oils that are better than others, uh, like ghee and lard work really well, as well. Um, but back, if we think back, you know, old school, they weren't necessarily seasoning their pans. Um, they were just cooking and cooking and cooking. You know, so. Um, and that does that will do the job as well. All you're after is just a really nice, strong patina. Oh, look! I tell you, I love my pans so much. <laughs> I'm so and glad. I love I'm them so more glad. than anything. And then I was over at a friend's house. It's so funny. It's like I think it's, it's up there with Thermomix. You know, like if you've got a yeah. Thermomix, everyone talks Thermomix. You've got Solid yeah. Techniques, everyone talks Solid Techniques. Yeah. And I just wanna, I wanna thank you publicly for being a part of this journey for Mark, because I think having someone like you and your team helps you to bring this vision to light. And what's so powerful in all of these things that you're doing in amongst a company like this, these guys are trailblazers. They're thought Mm. leaders. They're Mm. activists. They are campaigners. Mm. They're advocates. Not only for, I love the whole thing around not only amazing cooking, but also the stopping of such quick consumerism where things get Uh, turned over so quickly and all the rubbish that we're creating. This is where I think the recycling or having such quality products, these are the best wedding presents. These are Mm. your 21st. These are your big 30th Mm. presents. People love these pans. Is there, Mm. no, look, let's just, let's go another step further. If we did want to start out and we didn't have a solid Technics pan at Mm. all, but we're listening to this and we're going, all right, 
the girls mm-hmm. have convinced me. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Where would you start? If for a sailor, a family of four, where would you start? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would, I mean, I would always say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to promote, um, I don't want to promote consumerism. Com- oh, I can never say that word. Consumerism. Com- yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, so I would say start with the size that you're looking to replace. So um, it's not necessary to throw everything out today and replace it with solar techniques. So I'd say replace one piece at a time um, as, it, as it suits you. And what you'll probably find is uh, you won't need as many pieces um, because they do because they can go into the oven. So you won't need to transfer to baking dishes. Uh, you can just take it from the stovetop into the oven. But for a family of four, I'd be looking at, especially if you're a growing family, um, I'd be looking at about a 30 centimetre uh, skillet. So I would start there. And um, and for, you know, if you're two to three, if you're a couple or even a single, you could start with the 26. It's uh, 26 is, is our most popular size closely uh, followed by the 30 and then the so they're just uh, skillets or fry pans um, and then we have our 22 centimeter which is a sortu so it's got a higher wall um, but awesome for baking small loaves of breads or nice frittatas or omelets or uh, it's it's a great it's a great pan or cakes um, yeah. yeah so now and you don't need your cake tins anymore you know <laughs> oh look I tell you I want everything I, and every time I go on the website I go get off get off Kim get yeah off. I know because I and, want them all yeah so just one I just say one piece at a time as as you need to replace it and and if that piece and then that piece might actually do the job that your your current range you know you might have needed two pieces because you don't you needed a baking dish and a saucepan but now you can just take the saucepan and pop that straight into the oven um, I think one of my favourite dishes at the moment too, or the pots, is that deeper one, you know, the, the tall one. I don't know what oh, it's called. Yes, the Rondo. Yes, it's amazing. And then, yeah. the, the believe it or not, listener, the pan, I think it's the 22 or 26 centimetre one, actually becomes its lid. So yeah. you've got these dual purposes. And I love making my beetroot chutneys, my casseroles, my, my oh, big yum. things in those pots. So, look, I just I cannot commend the company, and I've recommended enough. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what – Mark and the team have created there, but also your your part in this and the whole seven of you that work for this company. I just want to reach out and say high five and give you all a uh, massive thank you. amount of kudos. Could you tell us then if people wanted to find one of these pots or pans or to find out more about it, what's the best website and social platforms? Um, they can go to, see, so listeners can go to our website, which is solartechnics.com. And then we have, you know, we have the Instagram, Facebook. Um, so the handles are just at solartechnics. Uh, we have a great, so Healthy Homewares up in Mullaney is a really great stockist of ours. So if you're actually wanting to get up close and personal uh, with the pans and you feel like a Sunday drive heading up to Mullaney, um if you're if you're a Sunshine Coast local, otherwise we have uh, you know a hundred other stockists across Australia that um, that you can pop in and visit, and they're all on our uh, where to buy page. Our st- we have a store located there, so you can pop in your postcode and mm-hmm. find a find a stockist. Which yeah. So when I look at the vision and the passion, and this is why I wanted to bring you on the show, your job in collaborating and bringing businesses and subcontractors and all of these Mm -hmm. people who have these amazing beneficial uh, relationships and Mm. set up, 
what I love is that you've also taken that into this company. And mm. this is why I wanted to share it because your work and using Solid Technics as the example is a true indicator of a someone like yourself that helps to create amazing mm. business processes, incredible mm. systems, but also a real story. And I think you guys do it so, so well. You know, life, in many ways, Solid Techniques, you yourself, Cara, we're all metaphors to each other's mm. lives. We're all mm. on the same journey. We have our highs and lows. We have our times when we need support. There's times mm. when we're Absolutely. on our own and doing it. And you, as you just said at the very beginning of the show, have had You've raised kids by yourself. You've had sing. You've been single. You've had blended families. You've also gone single again, and you've done all of these incredible things. <laughs> yeah. When when you look at your life and look at your role as a businesswoman and all the things that you do, how do you think the two rub off on one another? How do they merge? How do you balance being a mum and a businesswoman and a supporter and a venture capitalist and a collaborator mm. and all of the mm. things that you do? How do they all meld and how do you hold it all together? I don't know. <laughs> a good, a strong coffee and uh, and and free dancing in my lounge room. I think uh, that's probably how I hold it together. <laughs> uh, I uh, working. Yeah, it's that's a it's a really good question. I think that some of it was out of necessity. Um, but I, you know, I knew that working for me it wasn't just enough to earn an income. I needed to actually do meaningful work and I couldn't necessarily define to you 20 years ago what meaningful was other than just being of service. So um, that that is, um, it's just, it's, it means a lot to me to be of service and I'm, and I'm probably like, well, I'd like to think that I'm of service in my personal life as well. Um, so I think initially when I started out, especially when I had, uh, you know, I was quite young when I had children, uh, it was really having a second income come into the house. Um, I needed to feel like I was contributing. So, you know, I was, that was probably a bit of mother's guilt. Um, but then also I, I always wanted to feel like I was doing something and, um, and, and, enhancing like developing my skill as I went so I always found I always made sure that I was working in environments where I could develop skill um so it wasn't enough for me and to just work say and you know I've, I've had my time working in a cafe as you know with young children but I knew that I couldn't just stay working in a cafe I either had to manage the cafe and eventually own the cafe <laughs> um, that's what I that's where I could always see myself like it um or I had to move on and take that transfer those skills somewhere else so it was always been about developing skills that I could transfer into to my next work environment um I don't know how I've balanced it honestly Kim but I think you know having good friends uh, I don't have family um, up this way. They're all down in Tasmania. Uh, but having friends, having a good little school community around me really helped. And, and and actually, to be honest, like having a really strong relationship with my kid's dad. So we eventually separated, uh, but we're best mates and uh, we've, we've always raised our kids like that. And, uh, you know, I think that that really helped because it was, it was always really positive. And um, and easy to to be separated and raising kids separately as opposed to uh, doing it any other way. I know you're, and you've done a beautiful job. You actually, I mean, to to actually respect and love and care for 
the the father or the mother of your children yeah. is one of the most amazing gifts that we can bestow on our children. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering from your perspective then to do that, to really be in a place of external consideration of honoring the family as a whole, your children in particular, that's taken a massive amount of self-awareness and self-love. And mm. I'd love to know then as a mum of two kids, what is your definition of self-love? I I had I had to really think about that. Um yeah, so because when I think about self-love, I think of I might actually naturally lean to thinking about, you know, skincare routines and um going to the gym when I started to really break it down and I was just chatting to, so my daughter came and stayed last night because she wanted to cook spaghetti bolognese. So she came and had a sleepover (laughs) so we could cook spaghetti bolognese. And we were chatting about it this morning about self-love. And, um, and for me, it's about, I did you said it for me, it's about being the constant pursuit of like really honoring who I am. And, um, you know, and I've definitely fallen victim to, to as I mentioned before, mother's guilt or, uh, you know, um, being a yes person and not really wanting to always show um, my true feelings and my daughter's feeling a bit of that now. Um, and as, a, you know, I've just, I turned 48 last week and um and I, I know, and something's changing for me, and I'm loving it because I'm really loving, loving, um, honoring who I am and being okay and unapologetic about it, and um, and saying no when I want to, <laughs> and um, and then of course my coffees on Sunday mornings and um, singing in the car. <laughs> and and hiking all of those things are all self-love to me um but yeah it's it's being in the constant pursuit of of knowing who I am love that so much and what a beautiful gift we can get you know give to our children in in honor of that if we could teach them just one thing to be in constant pursuit of honoring mm-hmm. and loving who they are what a different uh, maybe place in humanity we would hold mm-hmm. I, I just want to thank you so much for sharing yourself and also being so open about this it's not often we get to talk about our work and our life balances and actually realize just what a remarkable story we have I just want the listener to know before the show Cara was questioning you know why (laughs) have I got her on the show but I think you can all hear why I think her story and her vision and her passion for what she does actually inspires me personally to be a better mom, a better woman and a better businesswoman. So I just want you to know how much I love being in your world and I really admire the work that you do, um, particularly for this company at the moment and for all the other visionaries that you've worked for in the past. You really have made a difference. And I can honestly say that the wind beneath the wings, we can't fly. You know, I call myself a visionary and probably an entrepreneur, but I couldn't fly without the people And I don't mean beneath me. I don't mean beneath my wings in that way. I mean, holding me, giving me space, Mm. allowing me to lean into my best parts, but also pulling me up on my not so good parts, Mm. driving me, keeping my vision real, holding me accountable. Like I I just, I cannot recommend people enough how much uh, these other people's roles play in our world. And I just Mm. want to say thank you. Mm. Um, Yeah. 
sweetheart, as we come to the close, Mm -hmm. perhaps you could give a message to the beautiful listener. They are someone who does strive to be their best version. They may struggle a bit being constantly Mm. in pursuit of really honoring and loving who they are at times. I think we all have, I think you mentioned it yourself, that bit of imposter syndrome can come in. So in your humble opinion, as a final message, if people wanted to follow you personally, do you have a personal business page that people can reach out to you on? I don't have a personal business page. Um, I do have, I am on Facebook um, <laughs> and Instagram. I think my Instagram handle is um, pack your bags and take a hike. <laughs> I was wanting you to say that. I love it. I started hiking about six years ago, multi-day hiking, and it's the best thing. Um, I've done two this year already somehow. I've fit that in. Um, and it's, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness it's it changes you yeah yeah in that respect what would be your closing thoughts and maybe include a favorite quote of yours and and let our beautiful self-love podcast listener know just what this means to you uh, thank you I think on my final thoughts are just to be unapologetically you and I, you know I know that uh, we hear that a lot uh, but it's really true. And, you know, I've even I even found myself, you know, I've put on a bit of weight in the last sort of 12 months or so. And I I just thought I'm just going to embrace, embrace her and um and see where that takes me. Um and yeah, keep dancing. <laughs> um, my, I actually am listening to this podcast at the moment that um I hope you don't mind me plugging another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I love everyone. Not not one of us sticks to one podcast oh, okay. all the time. So I would love my your job in bringing people collaboratively, to get collaboratively together is my intention when it comes okay. to amazing podcasts. So please, uh, thank fire you. Away. I'm hoping you might say that. Um, so it's actually a podcast um, by Julia Lewis. Louis, uh, Louis Dreyfus, so, so Elaine from Seinfeld, and um, she her past podcast is called Wiser Than Me, and she is interviewing the most extraordinary older women. It's um, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful listen, and she was interviewing the extraordinary Jane Fonda, and um, and they have so much so much wisdom to share. So I definitely would encourage if you're not listening to that podcast to to um check it out Um, but Jane Fonda said she said so I think one of the questions was if you could go back to your younger self uh, what would you what would you say to them and her response to that was no is a full sentence and I loved that um, because I think we can get caught up so easily in just saying yes 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 Um, and then it really going against the grain of who we are and and you know I Again, my daughter is is sort of battling that at the moment. She's 20. So we're having lots of conversations around that. Um, and I think I might make it into a T-shirt. Um, but my favourite quote, I mean, I just can't go past it. And it's been a quote that I've lived by for 20 years. Um, and it's just the old, be the change you wish to see in the world. Like I just live by that quote. And I can't, yeah, I don't think that there's any other quote that I could um, say trumps that in my world. 
Well, you are the change. You are someone who helps us to see what's possible, either with solid techniques or independently. I want to thank you so much. That is such a beautiful way to finish this show. Thank you for being on the Self Love Podcast. And I just want you to know, I, I really do publicly want to thank you for your support of me and all that you offer uh, within solid techniques. So thank you, beautiful Cara Wright. Thanks, Kim. You're amazing. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.